When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. In February of 2018, Gemma and I worked together to chase a promising lead after The Keepers was released. What you are about to hear is a series of odd events that resulted in us trying to track down a box of what seemed to be very important evidence. Stick around to the very end to hear our conclusion. I am one of the grassroots investigators from the Keepers series. We actually did not do the investigation for the Keepers. We were a year and a half into it before Tripod Media contacted us. Most of you have probably seen the series. If not, I encourage you to see it. It's an eye-opener. And today I have some new information that I would like to put out to all of the listeners because we really need your help finding an individual, and I appreciate Shane Waters for allowing me to talk publicly about this. This is Gemma Hoskins. Most will remember her as one of the two ladies that spearheaded the amateur investigation into Sister Kathy's murder. I received a message on September 17, 2017, from a woman in Florida a Facebook message, who said she had some information to share with me. And frankly, I get a lot of messages like that, so I didn't think a lot of it. However, when I probed a little bit, she said that she had never heard of Sister Kathy until this summer when a friend of hers mentioned the documentary The Keepers and the name Sister Kathy Sesnick. We will be referring to the name given to Gemma during the first conversation by the caller as Jane the Phone Lady. This was a false name. In fact, it was another person's name. And we want to ensure that we protect her privacy. What she told me was that 10 years ago, she was a caregiver, like a medical assistant, to a woman in a wheelchair. This was in 2006. And the woman's name was Bernadetta. Connor, C-O-N-O-R. They lived in Live Oak, Florida, which is a very small town of about 6,000 people. You'll have to Google that so you can see where it is. She told me that Bernadetta's family, because Jane, the phone lady, 
was taking care of her, didn't bother much with her. And when Bernadetta had a stroke in 2006, I think that Jane, the phone lady, was the only person that really communicated with her. During that time, Bernadetta shared, she was aware of some information that was in her husband's belongings. They were divorced by that time that frightened her and told Jane, the phone lady, that she felt like she should have reported what she saw to the police, but she was afraid of her husband. So as this woman talked, I began to wonder, is this a scam? Is she going to ask me for money or is this the real deal? So I asked if I could call her. We got on the phone. We talked for an hour. She was totally sober, straight, credible, not crazy acting, like a totally normal, speaking, articulate adult. Jane, the phone lady, tells Gemma that she is currently 29 years old. Her story starts out when she was 19, 10 years prior, in 2007. The lady she had been a caretaker for, Bernadetta, passed away leaving her with a box. The box is a cardboard file box with handles and a lid, like a paper box would be. And that she looked in the box, it had her name on it. She went to the home and picked it up and none of it made sense to her. She looked through it. She didn't recognize anything. So she put it in her father's garage where it stayed for 10 years. She told me that her father lived in Ocean City, Maryland. So I'm wondering who's the father, what's in the box. And I asked her if she could talk to me about the contents. And this is what she told me was in the box. First of all, she said there were school books in the box, which I said, that's not really relevant. And she said they might be because there are lots of notes written, the spines are torn, some of it is water damage, she thinks from being in her father's garage or shed. The books have places underlined and notes in the margins. So I didn't think much of that. The lady explains that there are photographs of people that she does not recognize and documents from the Archdiocese of Baltimore. She told me there were letters, and the letters were written to the capital letter M and from the capital letter M. She also told me that there was a journal in the box. The journal is very interesting because this is where the name Kathy Sesnick appeared over and over again. So during this past summer, when a friend told Jane, the phone lady, that asked her if she had seen the keepers and mentioned Kathy Sesnick, the name rang a bell to her. She told me she laid in bed that night trying to figure out why she knew the name Kathy Sesnick, and she suddenly remembered that it was in the journal that she had put away 10 years before. So she went to Ocean City. She picked up the box from her dad. She went back to Florida, and she got in touch with me. Now, I was writing things down. I was fascinated, but I still thought 
she could find all of this online at the library. And I was very tentative about believing this whole story. So I asked more questions. I asked her what was in the journal. She said it's several different handwritings. It's not the same person. She asked me if the name Anthony meant anything. Anthony is Maskell's first name and it's his brother Tommy's middle name. Tommy was Maskell's half-brother who was a high-ranking police officer with Baltimore City. So with that, my interest was piqued a little more. She said, a lot of what's in the journal is unreadable because of water damage. I asked her if she could take a picture of what she had, and she said, it's too much, too many things to take a picture of. She wanted me to have the box. So we continued talking. She also told me that in the box, it was a locked wooden box. And inside that was an old black rosary, also a handwritten Bible verse. So let's start connecting some dots. I finally asked her what happened to Bernadetta and her husband. Bernadetta died, but she and her husband divorced. And I assumed his last name was Connor. I asked her what his name was, and she said his name was Edgar. Now, this woman didn't present this information to me voluntarily. She didn't know I was going to ask that, but I thought that was significant. So we talked some more, and she told me that she had called the Baltimore County Police Department twice and did not talk to our cold case detectives, talked to somebody who answered the phone, and they said they didn't know what she was talking about. She called again and was told someone would call her back, and nobody ever did. She also told me she received a phone call in the last month, which would have been like August into September of 2017, from someone who was from a church but would not give her their name. So she refused to talk to them. They wanted the box. In addition, she told me that in 2014, she was approached by the estate of Bernadetta. I don't know who that would have been, asking for the box. And they said she was not allowed to take it out of the home like she did. However, an attorney advised her and she was able to keep the box because it had her name on the top of it, written on the top of it. And that made it hers. So moving on, I advised her that if she would ship me the box, I gave her my address. I have two addresses. I gave her both of them. I took a risk and said that I would reimburse her for whatever it cost her to send it to me. She did not ask me for any money. She told me she had her father's credit card and she would go to the post office in the morning. And she would ship the box to me because she said she only wanted me to have it, that she wouldn't let anybody else have it. So with that, we hung up. In the middle of the night, my phone pinged, and it was a message from her saying, I'm really sorry, I don't want to do this anymore. So, of course, I didn't sleep much. In the morning, I tried to respond by Facebook Messenger. 
asking her to contact me all day long. Nothing. In the evening, I got a message from another woman telling me that the young woman you spoke to last night stole my phone. She's a drug addict. She's in and out of hospitals. She has a box, but she stole my phone, and you need to forget whatever she told you. So I asked this woman. In our ongoing journey dissecting real-life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates, but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey. As someone who's delved deep into the game, playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. In June's Journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle, with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations. What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, the game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape, offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android, and join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. If I could call her, she said yes. This is why I'm calling this woman Jane the Phone Lady, because her name was actually showing up when this other young woman called me. So we talked. She was very nice, but definitely a very different voice, a very strong Southern accent. She told me that the girl with the box is named Kelly, K-E-L-Y, I think. And that we're going to call Kelly the box girl. She's the one I actually spoke to who told me what was in the box. So now we're going to get forget about Jane, the phone lady. She's not going to be involved anymore because it was just her phone that was stolen. But she did tell me that Kelly's brother, whose name is Roger, I believe his last name is Dylan. But there are many spellings of that found his sister at the post office in the morning trying to ship the box to me. When she saw him, she got mad. She took off one foot with the box and threw a book from the box at his head. He has the book. And back to the phone lady, who's not going to be named, told me that on the front of the, on the, front of the book, was stamped in gold, St. Clement's Parish. It was a soft-cover Bible from St. Clement's, which is the church where Maskell lived as pastor and where a great deal of the abuse happened. So because Kelly never told me about this book with that on the front, 
And the phone lady and the brother would have had no reason to know St. Clement unless the whole town is scanning us, which I don't think it is. Now he has the Bible. I asked the phone lady if she could get it. She said, yes, he won't give it to her. I guess he knows that there's some value to it. No one has approached me to ask me for money. I would love to have that Bible because that would tell me if everything else is true. Kelly left the post office, took off one foot. The next thing I hear is that she goes to her boyfriend's mother's home asking for a shovel. She buries the darn box, okay, in somebody's backyard. I hear nothing for a week. Then I hear that from the phone lady, she's dug up somebody's backyard looking for the box. Now, we have to understand that Kelly has some addiction problems, but I believe she's trying to do the right thing. I believe she has the box. Other the phone lady and the brother said she's obsessed with the box. She takes it everywhere with her. She gave her brother my name and phone number. And he responded that, I think he said, you're both crazy. I don't know who this lady is. So I would love to talk to the brother. I believe the father who lives in Maryland, I think, supposedly Ocean City, is also named Roger Dillon. I have personally contacted every person in Ocean City with every spelling of the last name Dylan that I could find on Facebook. None of them were related to this Roger. I also bought a subscription to Truthfinder for two months so I could get some background information on all these people. That was a dead end. It was disappointing. I don't know the spelling of Dylan. It could be phone lady said she thought it was D-I-L-I-O-N or D-I-L-O-N, but it could be D-Y-L-A-N. Phone lady also told me that Ellie has been married several times. And I know that's accurate because the evening we were talking, Kelly, alias phone lady, was picking up her daughter in her car. I could hear her talking to her daughter. She was picking her up from daycare, asking her how, what kind of day she had. But apparently the dad has custody, and we're not going to involve a child in this. We just need to see the box. So I sat on this, inform- okay, I sat on this information for a while, trying to do my own research, not wanting to involve a lot of people. Come to find out, a Facebook friend lives outside of Live Oak and is there often. So I got in touch with her, and she said she would ask around town. She's not had any luck yet. I finally called our cold case detectives in Baltimore County and told them what I knew. I share with the police credible leads, and our detective officer agreed with me that it was worth pursuing. So all this time, I'm hearing nothing. I tried to get in touch with phone lady one more time, and I was not able to. Her her voicemail is not set up, which is not a bad thing to do if you don't want people bothering you. So I finally got 
in touch with her. She called me. She asked me to please leave her alone, that I was harassing her, that the people in the town were glad that Kelly was gone. Apparently, Kelly dug up the box and hitchhiked to North Carolina trying to get to me. So a friend in Maryland was supposed to pick her up in North Carolina and bring her back to Maryland. I have no idea if that actually happened. My best guess is that maybe Kelly is in a rehab. Phone lady told me the people in town would love to see her go where her folks are up north because she needs help, and they were hoping she would get help. So for all I know, the box may be in the father's garage again, but I can't find him. So I talked to our officer at the Baltimore County. She made a phone call for me to the police department in Live Oak. It was the day after Thanksgiving, and this is funny because the police department was actually closed for the holidays. So I don't know what would happen if you had an emergency. Anyway, she left a message. I talked to our officer the next week. She told me that the officer she spoke to did not know who Kelly. Maybe she just talked to the wrong person because I get the feeling if you're a troublemaker in a town, or if you're traipsing around town with a box, that probably people know who you are. So that's been a dead end. I have written a letter to the uh, the county offices asking how I would look for a person, and I was given the address for the sheriff, which is probably a better bet than the police department, unless they're the same thing. I don't know. I wrote a detailed letter to the sheriff, and I have not heard back from him. I also looked online so that these are some things you all are thinking about. You can pursue it with me. I looked online for any Facebook pages that had to do with Live Oak, Florida. For example, real estate. There was also a yard sale page. So I thought that would be a good place to put a missing person advertisement which I did, and it got approved, and I've gotten no results, but I actually can't find my post on that page, so I don't know what happened to that. This is why we need your help, guys, and we don't want anybody to get arrested. Please do not start traipsing around Live Oak, bothering people that don't want to be bothered, but anybody that can do research for me, or has any connections with that town, or can use whatever resources they have, we're looking for Kelly. She trusts me. She only wants me to have the box. She refuses to give it to anybody else. And I believe that she's trying to do the right thing. If there's evidence in this box that's incriminating, of course the police are going to get it. I told our officer, if a box shows up at my house, I'm going to put gloves on. I'm going to film it. I'm going to have two friends there as witnesses, and we're going to look at everything. And then we're going to call the police, and they can come and pick it up. She totally understood. She laughed. She said, I'm not getting anywhere with that. And she said, we have a whole lot more on this case that we're working on. 
She said, good luck. I hope you find something. So everything I've told you today, the officers in the Baltimore County cold case department know about it. And so there's nothing I'm hiding. I know a lot of you have been wondering. I know a lot of people that are related to Edgar Davidson are probably anxious, but I feel like this is the right thing to do. And I'm hoping that being public about it is making me safer and can garner some support from you because I really feel like this could help with Sister Kathy's murder case. I felt very connected to this young woman. I think she's troubled. She was not, she was totally sober when I was talking to her. There was no evidence of anything out of the ordinary. So I feel very badly that she has addiction problems. I understand that there is a lot of drug addiction in this town. I don't know that. One thing I can add is that she was at one time living on a piece of property that her boyfriend's mother owned and that they were in a trailer and the trailer was repossessed. I don't know who the boyfriend is or if he's in the picture anymore. If anybody down there knows who he is, I would love for them to respond to us. If this is really critical information, you go ahead and send it to my Facebook messenger. But I have to be honest with you. I can't accept any friend requests, okay, unless I know like a whole bunch of people that we both know. So please do not try to friend me. It's just is not safe and it's just getting really unwieldy. I'm going to prefer that you do this through Shane. I hope that maybe Kelly's listening. If the phone lady is listening, I promise I will never contact you again. I know the police contacted her and she told them I was harassing her. I'll be honest about that. But I was asking questions and I guess everybody got a little spooked because I don't know who knows what down there. Yeah, let's see if we can find out about what's in this box and then we can move towards a solution. Looking for a new way to unwind after a long day? Say hello to Recess Mood, a healthier alternative that keeps your evenings light and your spirit high. With Recess Mood, you get the pleasure without the guilt. Made with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens, Recess Mood lets you relax without alcohol or hangovers. It's just 20 calories per can, has no added sugar, and comes in four delightful flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. I've tried these myself, and whether I'm chilling at home or need a moment during downtime chaos, Recess Mood is my go-to refreshment. It's truly a guilt-free way to unwind. And now there's something special for all our listeners. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com shane and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery holding up? Mine's been draining lately, consumed by the darkness of true crime tales. But amidst the shadows, it's crucial to remember to prioritize our mental well-being. Just like unraveling a twisted plot, therapy helps me untangle the knots in my mind. It's about gaining clarity, finding strength, and reclaiming control over your life. 
Considering therapy, BetterHelp offers a lifeline in the darkness. It's completely online, giving you the freedom to seek help in your own terms. And with a simple questionnaire, you can be matched with a licensed therapist who understands your unique struggles. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com foul today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash foul, F-O-U-L. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two weeks ago, you heard from Gemma Hoskins, the grassroots amateur detective and retired teacher featured in the Netflix docuseries titled The Keepers. We wanted to update you on what has happened with the investigation over the last two weeks since that episode aired. We now know the truth of the where, why, and how. After releasing the podcast, I got in touch with Jane the Phone Lady knowing that she had already asked us not to contact her. Things just were not adding up because this lady named Kelly just didn't seem like a real name, at least with the information that we had. Jane, who again is not her real name, agreed to speak to me, so we spoke for about 30 minutes on the phone, and she again walked me through the events when Kelly contacted Gemma. You'll remember that Kelly had Jane's phone, and first reached out to Gemma from Kelly's Facebook. I pressed Jane on how Kelly could access her smartphone and Facebook, and after a while I dug around enough to get the name of another party to verify that Kelly was a real person. This conversation with Jane struck me as she was telling the truth. Everything lined up with what she had told us before. When you are talking to someone, it's important to have them go over their story again later. You can catch someone in a lie simply because the truth is easy to remember. But a lie will come out in many different variations with time. My conclusion was Jane is telling the truth. Kelly is who we need to find. There was one part that didn't make sense to me, however. Jane told me she had been contacted by many people including news outlet, which is why she felt she was being harassed. This didn't make sense to me because the only people who knew her identity and phone number was Gemma, myself, and the detective. But why would she be lying about this small detail? Remember this for later. Something Jane told me was the name of someone who could confirm that Kelly was real. This is important to do when verifying what you are being told. Someone else who can corroborate not only Jane's story, but someone who may have more information on who Kelly is. Up until this time, the information we had about her wasn't enough to track her down. Jane told me about Kelly's boyfriend. 
and how he has an ex-wife who knows about Kelly. After speaking to Jane, I found the ex-wife on Facebook, and I sent her a message. Her name is Jessica. She lives several states away from Florida, where all of this took place. Jessica had no idea about our search, so I knew getting a message from me and the story I had was going to seem like something out of a science fiction novel. But she agreed to speak with me on the phone. Jessica is a very well-spoken person, and although she was confused on why I was contacting her, she was very cooperative and open. She explained that yes, Kelly is a real person who has had a few last names. She was able to confirm the character behind Kelly, and with her real last name, I was able to find Kelly's arrest record. Kelly had been arrested numerous times in Florida, and last year she was arrested for possession of drugs and a few counts of trespassing, all in the same area of Florida that we knew the original caller called from. With this, I found Kelly. So, Gemma reached out, and we were in for a surprise. Kelly painted a picture that she was a victim, because she had no involvement in any of this. She said she was never in that area of Florida when the call was made, and that she had no knowledge of a box. Kelly pointed her finger towards Jessica and Jane as creating this entire story to get her into trouble. Did you pick up on that first inconsistency here with Kelly's story? She said she was never in that area of Florida during the time. In fact, she told us she was several states away. Arrest records do not lie. She was definitely in the area, and she was definitely arrested. So now Gemma and I know we, we are being lied to. But from who? No one has anything to gain from this. There is no money involved. We found Kelly, but now we are left with more questions than answers. Why is Kelly lying about being in Florida? And why would Jessica and Jane frame Kelly? Why did Jane say she was contacted by other media outlets and people? Here is what truly happened. Shortly before Gemma is contacted about a box, Kelly and her boyfriend get into a violent argument. The boyfriend goes to jail, and Kelly is living in a small shed. Fearing for Kelly's safety and livelihood, Jane asks the police to do a wellness check. While checking on her, the police realize that Kelly did not have permission to be living in the shed, so she is arrested for trespassing. A few days later, Kelly doesn't have a place to go, so Jane drops her off at a bar where Kelly kept Jane's phone while searching for a place that she can stay. Here, she meets up with a few friends. This group of friends decide to pay Jane back for Kelly's trespassing arrest. They contact a few news outlets from Jane's Facebook on her phone, saying she has information about cases. One of these people that she contacts is Gemma. We found out that one of the women in the group has an obsession with the Keepers series, and went even as far to research information about this case at the library. So, when Gemma speaks to one of them on the phone, the others in the group are able to search and feed her information, enough that Gemma believed them. 
Now everything makes sense. Jane was receiving phone calls and messages from many sources because of the other cases the group sent messages about. Kelly was involved, and it was all just a scheme to pay Jane back for her wellness check. Gemma is a very intelligent person. It took a group of people with knowledge from the series, combined with research from the library and a few phones with Google, and a few coincidences, like Ed remarrying in Florida, to make her believe it. Here is Gemma. Hi, everybody. This is Gemma. First of all, I want to thank Shane for all the time and effort that he has put into this. It's been quite an interesting road, and I just want to share my reflections about what I've learned from this experience and hope that you'll think about what you've learned from it because we want you to share your lessons learned. I learned that I can be duped. And yeah, I know I'm a smart person, but a group of people did their homework, they did their research, they put a really elaborate story together, and I believed it. And it was not until I heard that it was made up that I was convinced it was made up. The other thing is that don't give your address to people. Don't give your phone number to people unless it's somebody that you do. Communicate some other way, I guess, by Facebook or whatever. Anyway, I also have learned that all of you are wonderful people. The whole world went to bat for me on trying to find the answers to this this puzzle. And I'm very sorry for all the time and effort you put into it for all the research you did. I know for some of you, it was monetarily expensive. Others put their heart, soul, time, made their kids eat spaghetti so that they could stay on their computer. And I want you to know how much I appreciate that. I'm really sorry that we didn't get any closer. And I will assure you that the police are still working this case diligently. And I think we're going to get the answers that we want. But for now, I would really love if you would respond to Shane's podcast, maybe on the Keeper's page, by sharing the lessons you learned and your reflections on this whole experience. Thank you from Gemma. So there you have it. The who, the why, and the how. The last post I made on my true crime blog titled My Journey into Darkness, I wrote about a couple weeks ago when I sat in a waiting room at a hospital while my mother's battle for her health was playing out. My mom suffers from multiple sclerosis, and that day she was undergoing a four-hour surgery for a newly found tumor to be removed around her spine. I spoke about how in every situation it's important to reflect on what lesson you can learn. At that time, I learned that my mom's strength and always carrying on, no matter what obstacle comes her way, reminds me that strength doesn't always mean winning. It just means that you never give up. Gemma never gave up when she felt there may be truth behind this box of evidence. It took a group of people with arguably too much time on their hands to fool her. But she isn't the loser here. Gemma is a woman on a mission. Her role model and teacher was brutally murdered many years ago, and that murder is still unsolved. No matter what mountain is thrown her way, she will continue to find the strength to keep on keeping on. For those out there with your own struggle, I hope that you can take away from this your own lesson. 
Strength isn't winning. It's never giving up. So never give up. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.